When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Very Delta, we talk about Lake Arrowhead Pride and when to wear a turban on a boat and when not to wear a turban on a boat. We also talk about picking the best fragrance while you're in the mountains. We have an extra special visit from my friend Natasha Estrada, a.k.a. Cholita. Join us right here at Very Delta. M. Oh. M. Mom! Are you a lady like me? Introspective, beautiful. Oh, are you intellectual like me? Beguiled by a bargain? You like wild times? Oh, like me? Are you serving the community like me? Well, if you are, then you must be very Delta. Hi there, I'm Delta Work, and this is Very Delta. This is a podcast where I look gorgeous, speak extemporaneously, invite fascinating people to sit on the couch and, you know, just tell me things. Very Delta is for the girl who loves Cholula over Tapatio. Hello, my gorgeous listeners and spectators. Welcome back to another episode of Very Delta. I'm excited to be here today because we have a very special guest who's going to come in and sit with me and tell me a whole lot of things. But for now, um, I want to tell you about my weekend. I was uh, in Lake Arrowhead for Pride, which is, I've never been to Lake Arrowhead. There's a lot of places in Southern California I've never been, even though I'm Southern California born and raised. And I haven't been to those places because largely they are for people who um, like to get up off their ass and do things. And I don't like to get off my ass and do things. So, you know, last year was my first time going to Malibu. Um, I always think of Malibu like Malibu Barbie or um, a place where people want to be seen and, and drink wine on outside. I don't want to be outside. It's too hot. We've talked about this. Um, I also uh, don't like what is Runyon Canyon. I hear that all the time. And I think that's people like exercising and, you know, uh, being complete and doing. I don't want to be complete. Um, I'm already too much. So it's like, why would I want to, you know, do extra? Like, why would I want to do more work? So whatever these canyons and hiking and all that stuff, that's just not for me. And I never thought that Lake Arrowhead was going to be for me until there was a check, which then in that case, the same reason why I went to Malibu, um, you know, if you're going to run the bag, I'm going to show up. And um, that's what was happening. However, I would absolutely 100 zillion percent return to Lake Arrowhead. It was super, super fun. It was a very small pride. Um, and when I say small, you know, I'm comparing that to like Long Beach Pride, LA Pride, San Francisco, a bigger established pride. This was actually the first time there was ever any drag performances in their town, I don't know, square or whatever they want to call it. Um, it was like a cool stage. It was great. It was beautiful. People were super, super exciting, or super excited. They were super generous. Um, but the, the cool part before all of this was the boat parade. So essentially, uh, my friend Maddie has uh, a boat, and uh, he's the person who organizes this event with his partner. And we uh, got to get on this boat. It was myself, Jules, who's been a guest on the Very That podcast, and our friend Jasmine Simone, who is a an entertainer here in Southern California. The three of us were booked. We get in this boat. First of all, the drive up the mountain is like forever, but I wasn't driving. Jules was driving because I just, you know, I wasn't going to do that. I mean, that would be, I'll just buy her lunch. You know what I mean? I feel that's what I figured. Like, I'll buy you lunch, you drive. It seems even, which I would offer gas money. But, you know, at this point, gas is so expensive. I felt like if I just cheated it by saying, oh, I'll get lunch, you know, it wouldn't register in her mind, maybe that like, wait, that's not equal because lunch at Del Taco is under $10. But splitting gas would have been like 40, whatever. It'll all work out. Um, in any event, I get there. Uh, we get to the top of this mountain. We get in this boat. There's no, like, rails or anything. So I'm already thinking, like, I had to think, first of all, before I got there, like, what do you wear on a boat? 
because it's not like I'm, you know, like in Capri or something on a boat. Like I would, I would visualize what I would wear, but I was in the mountains, which also too, I had to figure out what perfume do you wear in the mountains? Like, you know, I didn't want to wear anything too tropical, even though it's warm, like tropical. I always think of the tropics. So I didn't want to do that. So I wanted something that was like, what kind of flowers would grow there? So I looked it up, found it. I ended up with a floral uh, fragrance that was like woodsy and resin, like in the base. Um, so that's what I wore. And then I decided that because I was going to be on this boat, I had a really good caftan and um, and turban because I didn't want my hair blowing everywhere. Um and so I wore it, and it was floral in print, but it wasn't too tropical and it wasn't too deserty because I didn't want it to not fit in the pictures. Anyway, I, you know, when all is said and done, we had a really, really great time. I would absolutely do this again. The boat was going everywhere, but it was so fun. And I learned a little bit about the, uh, the homes there because so many people, so many famous rich people have homes in Lake Arrowhead. Like, um, uh, I don't know if it's their summer home or it's their, um, uh, a rental, how that works. But there was so, like I saw a home that Gwen Stefani previously owned, um, Reagan's home. Like, I mean, literally Maddie, cause Maddie's a real estate agent was like pointing out, this is who owns this or who previously owned this. So it was really beautiful. And it re- made me think like, what, what would my, you know, what would I want in a home like that? I mean, you know, we can dream. I mean, we're all scratching our way to the top at this point. And, you know, certainly owning one home is, feels like out of the question for a lot of us, but then having a summer home, but we can dream, you know, we can think of the things that maybe we want to have and maybe we'll win the lottery. Um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll happen for, for some of us or all of us. But in this case, I mean, I have friends there now. I met people there and they're like, come stay in our home, which I'm probably not going to do because, you know, whenever you stay in someone's home, like they invite you, it's like, aren't you nervous about like, what if I have to take a mad shit? You know, like what, because I take a lot of, I take mad shits. And so I, I want to be sure that like no one is, I have a friend who, who used to stay in Orange County during Christmas time. And uh, she might come on this podcast sometime, but I, I don't mind spilling this story. She was staying with a couple that only had one bathroom in their home. It was, uh, she was doing seasonal work, one bathroom in their home. And that bathroom was through their bedroom. But at that night they'd locked their bedroom door and she really, really, really had to drop a deuce. And I'm not going to say any names, but it wouldn't be hard for you to figure out who it is. It's not Raja. It's not anybody that's guested on here. She had to go take a shit in their kitchen sink and then turn on the garbage disposal because she didn't want anyone to know. Um, yeah, I've never done that. But, you know, I've peed in a, in a bottle, I guess. I mean, that's not the same. You know, it's not like where food is prepared. Like, I, no one was going to drink out of that bottle again. I mean, I don't think. But anyway, um, you know, you have to th- you have to think of these things. So when you go, you know, when you go to Lake Arrowhead for Pride the next time and you figure out what caftan you're wearing, what perfume you're wearing, however it's going to be, you, know, you have to be, you have to figure out in a space you've never been before, what is going to work best for you. And that's, I knew going into it, I had to have that plan, you know, because I'm crazy. And so I have to plan for everything. What if there's nothing to eat? What if there's nothing to drink? What if I have to take a mad shit? What if there's no garbage disposal? Like all of those things factor in. I'm glad I knew what perfume because I did get compliments off of my perfume, even though I was um, on the water. Um, Always wear a caftan, I think, when you're in a boat because you really will feel like Eartha Kitt. I I felt like Eartha Kitt. Um, And you couldn't tell me I wasn't. so yeah, always do that. I think it's really, really important. Also, um, this is just a side note. Um, I've never been a server in a restaurant ever, ever, ever. Um, and I know it's difficult work and I know it's a privilege to, to be able to eat in a restaurant and to make requests that always end up being demands when the person cannot meet the request, then they just turn it around and say, oh, you were demanding. Um, if someone comes into your restaurant or your space and they use the term table over booth, um, that means it's a request for a, a table with four legs. Uh, it, it does, it's not for, so, you know, if you just come in and you say, hi, it's for three, then I think just seat the person wherever, wherever it's the easiest. Right. But if I come in and I say, hi, I'd like to have a table for three. And I can see that there's tables and booths. It's a request for a table. And let me tell you, it's purely out of comfort. You know, I'm, clearly a person of size. There are other people of size that absolutely love to be crammed inside of a booth because they like the privacy over their comfort. 
I understand that they're having a private conversation. They don't want anyone involved in that conversation. I am not having those kinds of conversations at a public eating space. I'm there to eat. So I would like to not have to like shimmy myself in and out of a booth. Other people might, then they'll request a booth. So a booth, it's kind of like when someone says, um, can I have a Kleenex? And you don't really have a box of Kleenex. Those are facial tissues. So no one's really going to say, can I have a facial tissue? They're going to say, can I have a Kleenex? But I think in this case, if you see a person come in and they expressly ask for a type of seating situation that you have, stop showing them something else. Honestly. Honestly. And what goes on at Chili's that one person takes your order and then 500 other people bring everything that has to do with the order? I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm also trying to figure out how when you go to Chili's and you have unlimited soup and salad, why it takes 45 minutes just to get a second bowl of soup. What, what is taking so long? What's happening in that kitchen? Does a new ticket have to be written up? Do they still write up tickets? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's happening there at Chili's, but, you know, we'll figure it out. Let's take a break. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah. And under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Eating better is easy to do with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. These never-frozen meals are chef-crafted, and you can really taste the difference. Every week, I have over 35 options to choose from. They have anything you're looking for, whether you're looking for something keto-friendly, calorie-smart, or even flexitarian. Each meal has no prep, no mess, and it's the perfect solution for fast, premium options with no cooking required. This week, I ordered jalapeno lime cheddar chicken and spicy cilantro cauliflower rice. And let me tell you, it was the perfect balance between spicy and savory. I can't believe that something so delicious only took me two minutes to heat up. Factors really changed my meal game, and I can't say enough great things about this company. Head to factormeals.com slash verydelta50 and use code verydelta50 to get 50% off. That's code VERYDELTA50 at factormeals.com slash VERYDELTA50 to get 50% off. And we are back. We are back with my extra special guest. You know, when we decided we were going to do this, I put together a sort of wish list of people that I wanted to have here. And um, even though, obviously, I do drag, and it would be easy to bring in a bunch of drag queens, um, there's so much more that I get to do and people that I get to meet that I get to hang out with and and see other sides of the entertainment industry. So um, this person was somebody I really wanted to have. Right now, the world seems more... Powerful. The world seems like it needs more powerful female energy. Um, there's been so much going on that we know about. And this guest is the definition for me of a strong woman, a strong mother, a strong role model, a strong entertainer. I'm excited to welcome the very sexy, very fun, very honest, very raw Natasha Estrada to our show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And like this. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you. I'm I'm honestly floored. Anytime I get a message from you, anytime I talk, anytime you acknowledge me. Stop. I'm so just it, it stops me in my tracks. Cause I I just admire you so much and I love to follow you. Especially one of my favorite things that you do that is a regular in my household is um the thing is, here's the thing. <laughs> 
I say that every time I'm about to school my child or every time he pisses me off. Oh, my goodness. The thing is. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because you feel like you have to, like, you have to get, they really have to know I'm being serious right now. Yeah. I am being serious. The thing is. Here's, here's the thing. The thing. Um, yeah. So we, we've known each other for, for quite a long time. And it's interesting because what you do is, what we do is essentially the same thing. Yes. We entertain. Yeah, we do. In a lot of different ways. Absolutely. And um, maybe different audiences, but sometimes the exact same audience. That's and that's true. what's interesting. Um, I, I knew that I related to you very specifically, not just because, I mean, obviously I admired um, your body and your and your glamour and the fact that that doesn't really turn off for you. That is because it's not something <laughs> that you have to turn on. It, I feel like it's just you, is it not? Uh, I think it's a big part of who I am, mm -hmm. and I think, <laughs> pun intended, and I think that started at a very young age for me. I was very lucky in the sense that my mother was raised in an impossibly strict Mexican household, was never allowed to do anything, explore anything. So with me, she kind of went the total opposite way, right. and I was allowed to play and exposed to all these icons like Bette Midler and Mae West and Mitzi Gaynor, and I loved just this whole you know, expression of being completely empowered and putting it all out there. And so, yeah, I think it always has been a part of me. And I think when you're embody a certain uh, size or personality, at some point you just have to stop fighting against it and embrace it and say, right. well, fuck it. I'm going to work with it because this is what I got right. and I'm going to use it. So yeah. When I first met you, it was we were it was in Hollywood. I was not in drag. I came to see your show. It was like you, Dita. I no you maybe I can't remember who was all there, but you were there, and you were doing um, a, a number that had two uh, sombreros. Yes. <laughs> and one of them, uh, they were yellow sombreros. Mm -hmm. And you sometimes will give one to an audience member, if not both. I don't remember if you gave both, but I remember I was totally not in drag and I was just like stunned. I was just staring like, I cannot believe this is happening because I had only seen something like this, you know, in TV, like, right? But I had never seen somebody just so raw and you put that on me, that that little hat. And I'm so sad that I don't have it anymore, but it stayed in on my dashboard in every car for four cars. Oh my God. I would take it out. And then later we would start working together. Uh, we did um, uh, a film together. Yeah, we did Palm Springs Pride together. We did Palm Springs Pride together. Yeah. That was a big uh, a big show where, um, I mean, I, that was, was that at the Riviera? It was. It was. Is that no more? No, now it's called, um, Oh my gosh! What it's like? Um, it's like Jimmy Buffett's oh, Margaritaville. Oh gosh! Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna invite us. No, no more. I don't more. think so. But we also rode in a trolley together, didn't we? We Down did. Pond. Yes, we did that. Yeah, I have a photo of you, myself, and my son. He was like this big, right. at that time. And that's yeah. something that uh, also, besides the fact that I so much glamour, um, when I started following you on Instagram, I immediately was like, wait. She's a single mom and has this beautiful son that is has so much love and so much space to just become whoever they are inside. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a an artist or, or 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 a welder or a writer, like you tell us about your son. Oh gosh. He uh is now at an age where um like he just graduated from elementary school and wore like one of my dresses he's constantly stealing my clothes from my closet which is great somebody's got to inherit him and I ain't right. gonna pop out anymore that's for sure one and done yeah um but yeah I think this idea is like when you're a kid you sh you're supposed to be able to play and adventure and fantasize and figure out who you are right. and what you want to do so why not you know he loves makeup he loves music uh Megan the Stallion and Cardi B are his favorites and Doja Cat in that order very particular. Oh, he knows exactly. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a great learning experience for me also as a parent. And I think at the same time for him to see me, he's grown up backstage at drag shows, burlesque shows, right. variety shows. Um, but also for him to understand, like, my identity goes beyond just being a mother. And I know that's, like, very taboo. A lot of people are like, oh, it's the best thing you can do. I don't agree with that. I don't think... Um, 
I think it's important for him, especially as a little boy growing up, too, to see that women have an existence beyond being, you know, somebody's maid or caregiver or et cetera, et cetera. I am still this sexual being. I am still out there and um, doing strip tease and I walk around naked and it's not a it's there's nothing shameful about right. that. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't couldn't possibly agree more. I mean, I, I was talking to my partner about my mom and I said, you know, my mom was a nurse her whole life and she's retired out of nursing and she loved what she did. But I was I always think back. I can remember because um, I was raised with obviously a single a single parent and I'm an only child. And so I remember some of my best times were when my mom would make Halloween costumes uh-huh. and we didn't have two nickels to rub together, but she would always figure it out. She'd take curtains apart or whatever. And I said to my partner, you know what? I wonder if my mom really could have been a costume designer. And maybe that was taken away from her, that opportunity. Oh. Cause she was like, I'm going to go to nursing school because at her time it was like, this is what I have to do. Right. This is, there is not really another option, but I am going to provide for you. Yeah. And so now in a way I feel like I, um, it it wasn't wasted because I get to do those things and Absolutely. she gets to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And same with uh, same with your son. Like there, there there's that opportunity, but he's now has this space. You both have this space to watch each other do this, and he can see that nobody's going to own him, right? Because no one owns you. No, yeah, and it's just. Um, it, I think actually, what's funny is the show you mentioned in Hollywood. I think I was performing with Raja. Yes, that's what it was. Raja had just that's won. That's what it was. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And um, that was my very first show back after having a kid. Okay. And it was, a, I mean, a big, you know, it was a big moment for me as well because when I got knocked up, everyone was like, well, there she goes off to the island of right. never again, you know? Right. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. This is a whole, and it did turn out to be a whole new chapter for me too. You know, I went on tour. I started touring. I think things really took off for me at that point. I slept with most of Australia after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it really opened a lot of horizons for me. And what was the difference between sleeping with most of Australia and like part of East LA? (laughs) Um, You know, there's something, I'll hold them both equally in special parts of my heart. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Special parts. Special special of parts. your heart. Of my heart. My yes. Um just sitting here right now because I'm seeing your hair up and we talked about like some of your inspirations and some of the people. Oh, uh, yes. Do do you ever do celebrity impersonation? Do people ever say to you, "We want to use you as Bette Midler?" Oh my gosh, no, but I would love it. I think you could kill that. I, I would, mean, my mom looks so much like Bette Midler okay. too, which so Bette Midler was a huge huge part of my upbringing. Baby Divine, remember the book yep. that she did? Actually, when my grandfather passed away, who was like my father basically spent a lot of time raising me because my mom was also a single mom working and my grandfather was a pachuco mm-hmm. in Los Angeles in 1943 the Zoot Suit Riots and um, when he passed away my mother and I went to go see Bette Mittler in Vegas the showgirl okay. must go on and we sat in the second row it was like a big deal and Bette Mittler came off the stage wow. and held my hand wow I still like, I have chills now. Just remember, it was like she knew in that moment. Uh And all of my childhood, just like how many years, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was dressing up in my mom's clothes. And I mean, we all did that, but making videos and singing to Bette Midler and Madonna and show just all of these showgirl memories. And they just all came alive to fruition in that moment. So it was very special. Yeah. Do you think, um, like when you think of uh, of all the stuff that you do in entertainment, because if if you don't know, uh, or if people don't know, you're not just you don't just do strip. That's that's part of what you do. You also are a singer. I am an actor. Yeah, you produce. Do I mean, comedy. You, you do comedy. You do all of these things. Which of those things? Um, I mean, it's it's. I, I hate to even ask the question. Like, which is the easiest? But which one is like? Could you just do at the drop of a hat? Oh, I think. It's kind of like the quintessential showgirl moment is a little bit of everything, like comedy, singing, and dancing. I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to have a one-woman show, you know, come out like Carol Burnett or um, 
or Bette Midler show or Mitzi Gaynor show. Like these shows where they would just come out and do everything and have a costume change and come back out right. and play all these characters. I think that's such a part of who I am. And in a way, it's been hard to really narrow down that one thing because I'm constantly and I think a lot of artists feel that way right. it's like if you if you're artistic you like to do a bunch of different you do things you do yeah. yeah and that's you know when I'm think about all of the things that you do and, and and the things that I do it's interesting because when we take all of it off you know, people may see us one way, and then when it's on, they see us another way. You are seen in so many different ways. Like, I'm just seeing in drag and out of drag. But uh -huh. people see you in a burlesque <laughs> format. Then you, when you're acting, um, I want to get into a little bit of that because uh -huh. of the faces that people see when we uh, when we come back from break. So let's okay. take a quick break. Okay. And we're back with Natasha Estrada, who I uh, and, and many people affectionately have known at a time as La Cholita. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And I can always tell who's known me mm -hmm. when I hear that. Sometimes I'm just in the middle of the street somewhere in another country right. and I'll hear Cholita. Right. And still. Yeah. And that's the thing is like what I was talking about. Like when I when I'm in drag or I'm out of drag, <laughs> I don't feel like I particularly look like the same person. And so some people will jokingly say, Oh, you play a white woman on television. But for the both of us, it's something sort of specific. And that is that um when you are acting, because I've seen you post like, oh, I was just in this commercial or or something. To the average untrained eye, and certainly somebody who's not from Southern California, they may see Mexican-American, Hispanic, Chicano people in a certain way, and they think like, oh, everybody, like, if you don't look a certain way, you couldn't possibly be that. True. So yeah. for some people, they're like, oh, well, because you, you, we do have this ability, not that we want it to be an ability, but it's just a thing where people are like, oh, I thought you were just quote unquote white. White. Yeah. I thought that's what you were. And it's not an offensive thing. It's just because they're not, they don't have that trained eye because, you know, any Mexican lady walking down the street would look at you and go, I know who she is. I can tell. <laughs> or they would look at me and go, I can tell. But if you're mixed in an area where people aren't well-versed in it, does that happen to you? Oh, yeah. All, all the long. time. That's how you get cast for things. Exactly. And that was also such a big inspiration for why my initial, my very first stage name was La Cholita, was because I had grown up, even within my own household, kind of being the odd, mm -hmm. the odd woman out. And I think for like somebody like my grandfather, who was kicked out of school at a time in Los Angeles where it was criminal to be somebody that wasn't white, it was very segregated and different. With me, he saw the future. You know, I, here I am, and I was Smart, but he would always say, like, you're Mexican. Never let anybody right. say that you're white. And um, I remember one time at school, when you know when you have to bubble in those tests, uh -huh. and it says what you are, and I didn't know what to fill in. My teacher said, oh, you're Caucasian, you're white. So I did that, and I came home, and I told him, and he was just, like, livid. Right. Marched down to the school and said, like, my granddaughter is not white. I mean, now we know it's a, it's a very different uh, landscape, right? And right. so there's a difference between ethnicity and race and it's different now. But at that time there was this very sense of growing up. I was always told you're not white. You're not white. Don't ever say that. Don't forget who you are and where you came from. And it was really important. And it was important for me too. So what I enjoyed about coming out and all, as you said, all of my acts were love letters to my culture and traditions right. and my upbringing. I mean, I'm wearing all of my grandfather, my grandmother's jewelry oh, right now. So it was, it was really important to me to be able to showcase that in my entertainment, in my art. I did a mariachi, but like if Mae West was a mariachi, right, right, very right. like Maria Felix, this like over the top, um, I did the the act with the little sombreros and my grandfather came to see me he came all the way out to vegas to see wow. me win miss viva las vegas which was a huge crowning moment i became the first latina ever in history to win right. that right and once that happened i started tra traveling all over the world and 
you know, people would hear the name La Cholita, and whenever I came out, it was never what they expected. Absolutely. Ever. But that was the idea, is to get the conversation started, to open the people's minds into, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all the way we look. And even so within our own community of right. how there's different generations. Some of us were born speaking Spanish. Some of us weren't. And there's reasons for that, you know. And, uh, for instance, with my grandfather, it was you were kicked out of school for speaking Spanish. So that he didn't teach it to his kids. He didn't want it to be a detriment to them and their pursuing higher education. Right. So now I'm having to learn it as an adult you know, outside of just slang. I, yeah. I find that too. And, and there's also this sort of like, um, there, there's this like, in a way, like a, it's like a competition with, with oh, people yes. in our community that are like, you're not really that proud because you don't speak Spanish or you don't speak enough Spanish or mm -hmm. you, wh why are you wearing, like for me, why are you wearing blonde wigs? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing And it becomes this thing where you're not proud enough. And like you said, there's reasons for things. Um, and, you know, there, there is, I always go back to that, like, line in Selena where the dad is like, we're here. Yeah. And we look over there and we're too much this for them, but we're not enough this for over here, vice versa. And it's like, it, it really is a thing. I, I don't know that everyone knows that it is a real thing. There is a prejudice that exists. And um, it's... There's not really anything you can do about it because, you know, yes, I would love to speak 100% the best Spanish ever. I would yeah. love to do that. But the fact that I wasn't raised doing that, you know, I, I don't I don't know why that's like something you have to make an apology for or why you have to sort of say, no, it's, it's OK. Like, you know, uh, please excuse me or, or something. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. I did a show with um, George Lopez, a dating show, very uh -huh. scandalous dating show many years ago. And I remember all of the jokes. I was writing a lot of jokes. And even in the mornings, the producers would come to me and say, like, oh, can you give us some ideas so we can have, you know, and they were all very Chicano centric or mm -hmm. kind of which I thought was great. And I had always looked up to him and thought he was this great sort of iconic comedian. And then. I remember going to the after party and I was excited to see him outside of the, you know, the show situation because uh -huh. they keep us all very in your own quarters. Sure. And all he did was come up to me and be like, you're not Mexican, you're white. Oh, wow. And wow. I was just like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, fuck you, dude. Fuck you, dude. Can we say fuck yeah, you? We yeah, we can. Okay. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> You're the fucking gatekeeping. That is so but late. But that's the kind of ideas, like, yeah. you know, when you're, and even now, so, like, doing, you're right, like, doing all of these, doing television and doing, um, right, now I wrote a show that's based on my life about being a third generation right. Chicana. Like, third generation Mexican-American is such a different experience than Entirely. being a first generation, which it's great that we have shows like Hentified and Vida and all, all of these tremendous shows, which I love. But it's important to also share the different nuances between because there's so many of us, too, that make up not only California, but America. Right. Um, and it's it is a different experience trying to navigate between those those worlds. And yeah. it absolutely doesn't mean that you don't have pride for who you are and where you came from. Everything I do till the day I die is, you know. La Raza. And I I'm very proud of of that aspect of my background. I feel like, like you said, that interaction where he said that to you and, you know, I'm sure when, when confronted with that, someone in that position would say, oh, I was joking or I was this or I was that. But those words came out. And, you know, I find for myself in drag, um, a lot of times there'll be these like tours that happen where it's like uh, the, 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 the catwalk or whatever. And it's like fashion queens or it's this or yeah. that. Anytime there's ever been anything that has to do with Latinos from Drag Race, I'm never ever remotely included you see and it's because you don't fit this you right. know on the and on the flip side of that I was just having a conversation with one of my tour mates too about being a fuller figured mm -hmm. gal in the in any type of en entertainment platform and that being said it's the same thing it's like there's the one token fat girl and right. you can't have two I just met this other singer performer she's amazing Coco Lamar who I love and we're never booked on the same show Ever. Right. And why? Because we're both voluptuous, talented, mm -hmm. you know, incredible performers, but they won't have two large girls on one right. bill. But I can't tell you how many bills I've been on where there's 10 non-talented. Right. 
eight girls in Lake, eight girls in Lake Avenue, right? Yeah. You know, or maybe they have head to toe Swarovski crystal, and that's enough, or whatever it is. But it's like there's. Yeah, there are these things, these types, these molds that you still have to fit in. And it doesn't matter how talented you are or um, how much you've branded yourself in a certain way. It's it's really becomes about this. The entertainment portion of or or, or the Latino portion of our entertainment community is itself gatekeeping and is itself saying there really aren't that many faces to us. We are just this. We are just this way. This is all people want to see. And it's so weird. It's so unfair. I've even like, you know, I love, I'm a big fan of like country music from the, from the Uh nineties. And I will have other people that are like, Oh, that's so weird that you like that. I'm like, really? Is it weird? Cause I like, first of all, I like all music just like you. Yes. We're inspired by all of it, but there's people that think, well, you wouldn't be the type to listen to that. Well, what's the type? I'm trying to understand what the type is. That's like my favorite is also when somebody says, especially men dating, which I don't think I'll be doing that anymore. Um, you don't look like someone's mom. It's like, uh-huh. okay, uh-huh. Well, okay. Uh, is that a compliment? Is that a diss? You know, like right. Beyonce is somebody's mom. J-Lo somebody. Are you saying I don't look like Beyonce or J? Like, right. What the fuck is somebody's mom supposed to look like? Right. In this day and age. I don't know. Yeah. You, you can't really go off that, you know. Yeah. You know, this uh, this episode, I'm sure, is going to come out. I mean, it, it comes out in like a week or so. But, I mean, it's so difficult to just encapsulate someone's opinion about everything that's been transpiring in the past week or, or a couple of weeks. Especially when I, you know, I, I can, I'm not a woman. You know, I yeah, I could dress it, but it gets to come off and nobody ever thought I was a woman. So I don't know that experience and I can't speak to that experience. I'm not a, I'm not a parent. I'm not a mom. I'm not somebody who looks specifically like you where when you do what you do and you have power over that, there are other people that think that you are their property because, you know, you're around me. So you're putting it out there. So I want to touch and I want to feel. But this, you know, we said earlier, no one's going to take your power, but they're Power is being taken right, right now yeah. in droves. And they say, when somebody comes for this and you don't say something, they're going to come for you too. And there's so many men not speaking up right now about what is happening to women. The women that we revere so much, or for me, try to emulate so much. It's like, if, you don't, if we don't speak up, but you're in a position, at, every part of you is being attacked right now. Yeah. Every bit of you is being attacked. How do you even, as a parent, as a woman, as a, how are you even, how do you see light? I don't, I'm trying to understand. I am also trying to understand. I think as a parent, I've been a thousand percent transparent with my kid about everything. I'm, I don't sugarcoat anything. I don't, um, you know, soften the blow, so to speak. It's fucking harsh and I'm not going to, I can't soften that in any way there's there's really no way it is urgent it is absolutely terrifying um but also gosh I don't even know how to be articulate in this I can't either and I feel I feel ignorant asking the question because it's like saying you know oh just tell me in a couple of minutes how we're gonna fix the world like you can't there is no way there it's, is no way unless everybody and it really does take that. It's more than just a post to social media. It's more than just lip service. It's action, you know, and and taking that action. I mean, there is a lot of fear in everybody. And now is the time to stand up. And you're absolutely right. It's like all these men who are. Yeah, I had a guy who's like always hitting me up for you know, photos and like, let me pay you for this and go out with me. Who's married with kids and has his own life and no shame in the game, but it's like, you know, now is the time to put your money, to put those actions where your mouth is and to speak up against, not speak up, but to take action against what's happening for, yeah, that didn't come out right. No, it does. It does. It's just, it's more than social media. It's more than any kind of post. It is really a time to take action. And that's all that can be said. You know, this is, and it's, I find that it's really about um, 
I, I don't I don't know. Well, you know what I'm, I think? My words are failing me. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not failing because we're all trying to figure it out together because we've yeah. never, we thought we were going to be, uh, you know, it's 2022. We thought we were going to be in flying cars and people that were like, you know, half monster and half human were going to be ruling the world with people who were looked like Marilyn Monroe and nobody was going to be worried about any of that. And we're nowhere near that. We're nowhere like near. so far back. And we're going further back. And Every day. Yeah. It's wild. When I tell my kid, you know there was a time when women couldn't open a bank account without right. a man. And that wasn't that long ago. Or being able to vote or do anything, really, or be considered anything other than uh, property. And to him, it's just like we went to um, drag reading at the uh-huh. at the library, and the book that was read was about based on a true story about a girl who decided to wear trousers for the first time because women weren't allowed to wear right. pants, and that was just so beyond his scope. Like he couldn't fat. He just thought that was the most insane thing ever, and was like, "There's no way it th- is that true." And I was like, "It absolutely even, is." And even here- in his few years, he's already living in a time. When books, there's there's going to be a limit on which books he can read. Yeah. And his, just his few, 10, 10 12 years, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, come just on. Just in that time. And learning about um, in such important history and the way that that's influenced things. I think it's really, now is really a, just a pivotal moment for us to either take the information that we have and that we've been so lucky and fortunate to have an instrument and a tool like the internet where we can fast track this information to one right. another and communicate with one another in a way that we never were able to before. But now it's really about organizing, about strategizing. Yes, there's a lot of fear. Yes, we are scared. It's stressful. But there is, it's more important than ever now to rise up and right. do something. There is, is more of us than them. There is. There, there is. is more of us than them. Oh my gosh, we could let's take a break. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah let's like, take well, a break. I can't even breathe. <laughs> and I'm not even talking. back with Natasha Estrada Cholita. We're Hola. just talking about all of it in like yeah. the last segment. It's like it's, you can't even really, we can't put into words succinctly how we feel about this. I partly want to just scream and make primal animal noises, but then also say something that's really powerful and it's hard to find that right. balance between the two because right. I don't know what the immediate answer is right now in this moment. But I know something's got to fucking happen. Yeah. All those East L.A. cholas, time to rise up. I mean, I, I really, I, I've said it a million times. And I, I always, whenever I say something, I go, I know my phone's listening to this. But I really do sometimes feel like that. Absolutely, But I yeah. feel like, I, you know, anytime I want to say something negative against, uh, you know, the government or the police department or whatever, uh, because I do think it's our job to question authority at all costs. I do think that people that we elect into office are people that are our paid employees. Yeah. I do think all of that is true. At the same time, it does surprise me that there's nobody insane and crazy in our camp that hasn't done something more that people crazy and insane in their camp have done. Do you know what I mean? Like, why is somebody not just shutting off all of their banking? Or why is somebody not just saying, like, you know what I mean? We're going to make it uncomfortable for you now. Yeah. there. Yeah. Aren't we smarter in our camp than their camp? Absolutely. There was this really great documentary I watched that I don't remember the name of. I'm sorry. But it was actually about animal testing. And uh, long story short, it was about this kid who did exactly that. He figured out the way to actually get to the people who were testing on animals was to find out who was funding it and cut off the funding. He started putting so much pressure not on the companies who were doing it, but on the banks who were sourcing the income. And he started, it was like cutting it off at the source. Right. And you're absolutely right. It's time to get smarter. And I understand that you have this like, you know, innate reaction to things. We all do. But yeah, it's time to get fucking smart. And we've all had to be resourceful. Right. You know? Right. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, we're not advocating, you know, hurting people physically, but make things uncomfortable for them. Yeah, make them uncomfortable. How many times have you been uncomfortable being anywhere? Like, no... No enjoyable meals, no and anything. The only thing that makes them uncomfortable is their money. Is their money. So let's figure out 
Yeah. Let's figure it out. Yeah. So anyway, this okay. is this is like this is the portion of uh, of the show where we answer letters. We used to we called it the annals of the inbox, but of course. <laughs> Somebody left an N off one time, and so we just called it the <laughs> anal portion. I thought this was going to be about anal when it's I heard going that. To be. Okay, great. We will, whatever whatever comes out of these letters, let's we'll turn it into that. I've always wanted. This has been one of my secret fantasies ever since I was a child. Was like responding to like the dear. Dear yeah. editor, dear Anne, yeah. what is it called? Dear Delta. Dear Delta. Yeah, that's what we're going to answer. Okay, that's what we're going to okay. answer. Okay, so. Um, I recently got a new computer. Oh, which does, congratulations. Which all, all, the, all the letters come to me, um, but I keep them here in my drawer, so I have to print them out. I was going to say, your a computer letter. is that tiny? It's... A letter. Okay. So let's see here. I love a good old-fashioned letter. You know what? I really should have my letter opener, but I haven't been to Things Remembered in the mall for a long time. I have this beautiful... <laughs> did you ever go to Things Remembered? I absolutely did, yes. I have this beautiful card from you on my refrigerator. Oh, you I love do? it. Yes, I love it. It's like Aww. right in the middle, prime real estate. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so here's the first letters from okay. Jay. Okay. Hi, Delta and Natasha. Oh. Who are some of your favorite music divas of yesteryears? And what are the eras of their music that really spoke to you? Do you wish uh, that those music stylings would return, or do you enjoy knowing these artists and eras are stamped in time for us? To revisit. Much love, Jay. Wow. What an eloquent Yeah, that's a good letter. That's question. a good letter. And I know you, I mean, because you are a musician. Oh, yeah. You know, you you love music. I mean, I what, what inspires music. you as far as music goes? You know, I have to say one of my favorite vocalists of all time is Linda Ronstadt. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And the reason being was her versatility. Mm-hmm. I could not believe that every time I would listen to her voice, and she just fucking nailed it. Everything. everything. Every single thing. I would watch these videos of her as a kid, um, you know, even when she's saying Blue Bayou, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite karaoke tracks. Yeah. Uh, and then when she did the album, the songs of my father. Oh, oh my! Canciones and yeah, mas canciones. that's so good. Both albums. And watching the live shows, have you ever seen yes. this? So beautiful, the set design, Stunning. her, um, her rock and roll. I think just everything she's done, and and watching a woman like that evolve, I think mm. is just such a joy and such an honor to see that. It's so inspiring and just right. incredible. So she's way up there for me. For sure, for yeah. sure. I I think the same thing. I lo- I love Linda Ronstadt. Um, you know, I I love and I I do think of you when you are performing, um, uh, you know, live singing. I think of the power of like Etta James, oh, right? That Etta. like like it, it's uh, or or Patsy Cline. You know, one of my favorite uh-huh. Patsy Cline songs is "Faded Love." Uh-huh. And when you listen to the very end, there's just this like breath that she takes, mm-hmm. and I feel like that in any kind of music, it's um. Especially live music, a lot of people will hear somebody live and they'll go, "Oh, I like them better on the album." It's not the same when it's like, and you know what? I hope it's not the same because yeah. it's not supposed to be the same. Because every time you sing something, you feel something different every time. Right? Yeah, I think that's the difference too. Is my favorite artists—they're not always even necessarily the best vocalists, but mm-hmm. that's that's absolutely it. Is every time it's going to be different? The audience is different, and that's what you're feeding off of, or what's fucking going on in the world or your life. Every the song is the same words and the same notes, but it takes on new meaning, right? You know, as it as it relates to you and your experience in that moment. And I right. think artists that have the ability to make the same song sound fucking different and new, and you're noticing all these little nuances and changes and breaths and expressions that you never did before. Right. That's something that is wow. That's incredible. When you travel. And you do like, say you're doing like a, uh, you're going to be singing with the band. Yeah. Or you're going to be, um, uh, you're going to be stripping. Singing and stripping. Singing and stripping. Or you're going to be like, um, you know, doing a comedy gig. Yeah. Where of those places do you find that um, potential lovers approach you more often than (laughs) other? Definitely not doing comedy. I'll say that. That's like the biggest turnoff. My comedy is pretty... It's pretty crass and raunchy and also very direct. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's too much for potential. for uh, in, in that setting, men are generally like, oh, shit. 
of course, naturally, I think it mostly comes from, and all, maybe even stripping is too scary for them. I think singing is where I get the most. Right. I would think, I was thinking the that. The most gentleman callers, if uh-huh. you can call them that. But I don't date I really don't fuck people from my shows just generally because it never turns out well because you you never live up to this idea Absolutely. it's hard to imagine that you're an actual person outside of that or it is the thing that like I got I got her I captured her and now sure. you're done you're done doing that like showing off your tits it's like no this is how you met me right you're be showing these things are you kidding and he's showing these things off till I'm 110. Right. Even in my grave. Bury have, me just in pasties. Bury me in pasties? Yeah. Actually, I don't want to be buried. That's not, like, economically great. Burn, cremate me, but I want yeah. to be in pasties in a little rhinestone merkin. I have a friend um, that won uh, one of the all-stars of Drag Race, uh, Kylie Sony Glove. Uh-huh. And she once, when you were talking about, you know, you met me this way, she won, She always has these little bits of wisdom. And, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, people always think somebody who's blonde and sexy, as you know, yeah. yourself, a blonde and sexy. Blonde once. You were. Um, people will generally think, well, there's not much more to you because there's so much in that. How could you be wise? So people used to do that to Sonique all the time. Yeah. And I remember, but she always has these bits of wisdom. One of them was always, if I stay, if I stay ready, I don't have to get ready. Oh, and the one that kind of goes with what you said was, she said, honey, you're always going to lose them where you found them. Oh! And I've like, compl- I said, oh. she said, you're going to lose them. Absolutely. Kylie Sonique Love says, you're going to lose them where you found them. And I, I, my mind was blown because I thought that is so wise. It is so wise. It is so wise. But so when, you know, I always wonder, like, I mean, obviously co- people always say, oh, confidence is the sexiest thing. Confidence mm. is so sexy. It is yeah. confident, it but is. not everybody has the confidence to match it. Right. Yes. And also just real quick, I don't know how much time we have. No, but that totally reminds me. I just got Tinder swindlered. Okay. What's, what happened? T- Tinder swindler. You know that story, right? No, not the whole thing. Okay. Well. I it all happened because this person thought that I I presented myself a certain way on social media. And I think this person thought, "Oh, well that's going to be an easy lay. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to bang this chick and then I'm going to get out." So, I was thinking I had met Prince Charming at the, you know, the way we were messaging and we had gone out and I moved very slowly and um it turned out that everything this person they had created a whole fake life and fake persona just because they thought so then their lies started getting more extravagant oh my and god. I still hadn't hooked up with them little did they know I haven't had sex in two years oh my god so it wasn't as easy as they thought right my story my little tidbit of wisdom is not as um succinct but that is a good one so I left him where I found him and that was back on Tinder yeah. good luck how scary though it is terrifying isn't there sometimes something like a good match? Have you had good matches there or somewhere else? Like it, f- friends hook you up or? No. <laughs> I have hooked up so many people that are still married to this day. Every time my friends hook me up with somebody, I'm like, have we fucking met? Right. How? What? Uh, right. How did this happen? Well, you're, you are so wise. And because you are so traveled and because you have seen all these people, I don't, by, by no means do I think... Um, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, if you travel a lot, you must sleep around a lot. and you must." Which and, I do. Well, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But people don't realize that the glamorous life that you, the, the glamorous life that you present on stage, there are so many factors that go into putting together a strip look and so much physical work that is happening. Mm-hmm. You don't always feel as glamorous when you're done for the night. So it's not like you're like, let me just throw on a little something and I feel just as fresh as I did when I got Come here. Come up to my boot. Boudoir, right, it doesn't really always work that way. a bathroom stall in the back. Right, but, uh, yeah. I'm they're gonna. I'm going back to Motel Six, and I'm gonna maybe eat a piece of pizza <laughs> yeah. before I get on an airplane. Like, exactly. That's the glamour. That is the glamour. Yeah. I had a friend that used to call it showbo. It's like a showbiz hobo. It's, it's like that. Oh, life. I see it. You I know, see that when you're you're in your car traveling and you get to the venue and it's like there's no bathroom and you're using wet wipes to it's not always as glamorous yeah as I met seems. somebody that was like oh um, so where do you keep all your jewelry and I'm like maybe it goes in a Ziploc bag like yeah. it's not real diamonds you get this right like it's the purposes that you have to you're trying to pack as small as you can 
to make a big yeah. impact, but that's I don't not- lay out my jewelry and I don't, yeah. I mean, you know, we'd like to say that that happens. It doesn't always happen. Would you come back here again sometime? Oh my God. Anytime. Cause we didn't get nasty. Like I we, know, were, we really didn't. We didn't. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel is so much my persona, but that's okay. It's part of it. It it's is. Part of it. It's fun to talk about. It, it is well because you're honest, and that's the thing is like you you I feel like you provide for for people in this world the image that you 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 can be sexy, you can be sensuous, you can be funny, you can be raunchy, you can be a mom, you can be all of these things in one. It, it's you don't have to just pick somebody if you're just yourself authentically. You're going to be all those things. Yeah. 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 I feel like yeah, yeah, but so much of my time, I I think it's only until recently that I started to embrace like who I am uh, and say then think that was enough. You know, this idea of I think so much of the early days of my burlesque career, I was always trying to be that glamorous. Always felt like I had to be something, and then when I was like, "Fuck it," it's not always like that, right? You know, it's not. It's not. It's not always like and that. And there, there is only, especially in the burlesque world, it's like there is only one Dita. I'm not going to be that, and that's not my. So why am I trying to emulate? Well, that's that the beauty cop? of the Dita shows that you do is that I think what makes Dita strong at what she does is she's like, I'm only going to surround myself by the best mm-hmm. because you know, like any any coach always wants to be. You got to be a good team player to be a coach. And you also, anybody that produces a show wants to only surround themselves with the people that they think are better than them. Yeah. You want to surround yourself with that. And that's what makes that show successful and you successful. Um, By the way, if you ever want to send letters in, you know, normally we read lots of letters, but um, sometimes we just start talking. And so, you know, Jay, this was your fault for sending in this letter. But what a beautiful and well, that was an, that question was like above and beyond. Yeah. Jay, Jay really put their thought into that. Yeah. Send me a message at readmedelta at gmail.com. Um, thank you for being our guest. By the way. Like, oh, my God. You know, thank you for having me. This was so nice. You Just going back to what you said that, like, you know, you you can be all of these different things and you don't know. I hope you know that when people see you, they see you as all of those things and have, like, they, they see that they can be all of those things through you. And it has nothing to do with what you look like, per se. It's just how much love you have for people. They see it. They know it. I think that is really beautiful. And thank you. And I do hope that people, that's, that's always the best. The biggest compliment is anytime you perform and you probably feel this way is if somebody says that I, you've inspired me, I want to do this, or I want to embrace more of this in my life, or I want to this, seeing this made me want to pursue this or unleash this or live in you know lean into that more and I think that is the best part of performing not only that you're really living in the true expression of yourself and your soul and what makes you happy but that the impact and I think so many of us especially as artists have grown up feeling you know people get down on you or made fun of or whatever growing up because you're still trying to figure it out and you know that you're different and you know that you like things that are different. And when you connect with people and what you do resonates with somebody and it has an impact on people, then you realize, holy shit, what I'm doing matters. And it doesn't matter if it's one person here or there or a whole audience standing ovation. In some way, shape or form, you are touching people and that is... That's important. Yeah, it's true. It's true that, I mean, you you really do. It, it, especially now, we need women like you. We need all women, but we need women like you, queer people like myself. Absolutely. This is, this is what, this is what we live for. This is how, this is how we get by. This is truly, I mean, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love you so much. I, I don't want to I love you too. I don't want to do all that because I love you so much. I love you too. And you're such a source of inspiration around my household. I have all of these little tributes to you everywhere. Stop. I do. I'm going to send you a photo. You, you just probably have like a stuffed animal that makes fart noises. Anyway, where can people find okay. you on social media? Where can they find you? Uh, really, Instagram is the only thing I stay consistent with. And that is um, at Natasha underscore Estrada. That's yeah, you. that's it. That's, that's where me. I do it too. Yeah, All you can it. slide into those DMs. Uh, no, you can. I know people. But do don't you really? Like I mean, no. But what if the you know what if they want pictures? The guys. Well, uh, oh, they're got. Well, I, if they send Not me that a, way. no, maybe. Right. I mean, it's been two years. Come on. 
It's been two years. Look, and I'm not putting anything off the table. I don't like to say any right. say no to anything right. before I've seen the full offer. So, right. you know. Well, thank you all so much for listening to Very Delta. And a special hello to everyone watching the show on the Mom Podcasts YouTube channel. Very Delta comes out every Monday right here on the Very That Podcast feed and on YouTube. If you're new here, I'd love for you to subscribe to make sure that you do not miss an episode. Um, and also, again, if you want to send me a question, you can send me a question to readmedelta at gmail.com. You can follow me at Delta Work uh, on Instagram. And we'll see you next week right here where we keep things very Delta. To listen to Very Delta one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Very Delta is produced by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by Delta Work and produced by Maxwell Esposito. Engineered by Margot Padilla and editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.